1: Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Christina Barber from The Culture Project and Rob Longo, Tom DeAngelis from Stewardship Mission of Faith. Welcome one and all. Uh, Good to be here, David. David. Awesome, awesome. everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles, we're going to turn to John chapter 6, verses 24 through 35. And before we do that, Rob, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts to help us break open the bread of life?
2: Thanks for asking. I would love to. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of this moment. Thank you for the gift of our lives and uh, the opportunity to to read the, your word, to read your love letter that you've that you've uh, given to us uh, to guide us home back to you. So, Lord, as we break open the word that we will hear this Sunday at Mass, please uh, just enter into the deepest parts of our hearts. Uh, shine your your light. Shine your love into those areas that. That need you the most, help us to be the husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, friends, uh, co-workers that you're that we're called to be. And Lord, we just please ask you to to bless and protect all of our listeners, hold them in the palm of your hand, bless their families, and and all the all the work that they're doing to help build your kingdom, Lord. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 In the
1: Father, Father, Son, and and Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Christina, do you mind giving us a little bit of gospel love today?
3: I'd be happy to. This is a reading from the gospel according to St. John. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him across the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them and said, Amen, amen, I say to you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father, God, has set his seal. So they said to him, What can we do to accomplish the works of God? Jesus answered them and said, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. So they said to him, What sign can you do that we may see and believe in you? What can you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you. It was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven, My Father gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
2: You never just read the words at the end, I am the bread of life, whoever comes to me will never hunger, whoever believes in me, will never thirst. the song for me always comes in, you know, I am the bread of life, so you just start singing that, so it's a beautiful song to get, to get stuck
1: in your head. And that, uh, that sentence, you know, I am the bread of life, whoever comes to me will never hunger, I put the word spiritual hunger because we're human beings, we're both physical, human, and beings, spiritual. So Jesus is saying he is the bread, and that when we go to him, we won't spiritually hunger. He will fill us to overflowing, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. This is a spiritual thirst. This is the ache of our heart. Every human heart is looking for love. Too many times we look in the wrong places. We look to the world when we don't look to the one fulfillment of that true ache of our hearts, which is Jesus Christ. So for me, you know, this, 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 Ache! I had this eleven years ago. I tried to buy stuff and fill the hole. I tried to do things to fill the hole. I went into the world, and I was dying. I was drinking salt water, thinking I was quenching my thirst, and I was dying. So for me, boy, when I came to know Jesus and continue to grow in deeper and deeper, not just personal, but an intimate relationship with Him, every day in and through my Catholic faith, oh my goodness, there's a great ache to be fed spiritually every day. There's a great ache to be drinking that that living water, which is Christ Himself. So for me, going to daily Mass and truly receiving Jesus, who is the bread that we were given, we receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. My goodness gracious, the people went to look for Him in boats across seas. I could just go right down the street to the local church. But for 46 years, I never did that. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know he was there. I didn't believe he truly was in the U- present in the Eucharist. If you knew you got a free ticket to see Jesus, to meet him, to have an intimate relationship with him, and an experience where he shared himself with you fully, completely, held nothing back, he shared his divinity with you in the Eucharist, would you go? Absolutely. <laughs> but we have that invitation every day. Jesus says... Seek me, and you'll find me. Knock, and the door will be open. He's there in every Catholic church, everywhere around the world. He's fully present in the tabernacle, at adoration, and in the Eucharist. It doesn't get any better than that. Wake up, do we realize that
2: and and every visit that we make consoles his heart, and uh Dave and you and I were talking about this earlier about consoling the heart of Jesus, the beautiful work. Uh, from Father Michael Gately and once I read that book it just that was such a, a game changer it's a, a do it yourself weekend retreat and i think it's it's um it's based on this the spiritual exercises of saint ignatius and a uh, beautiful do it yourself self-directed uh, retreat that you can do it in a couple days and once i read that and and truly understood that everything that we say think do we have an opportunity to console the heart of Jesus. So if everything we say, think or do could console his heart, then the opposite is true, or the you know, the, the counter to that is true. That everything we say, think, and do has the potential to to hurt his heart. Right? He's, he, his is a human heart, fully divine, fully human. That that human heart is beating with with love for us. And, you know, he's revealed to saints throughout the ages that that, that unreturned love. Or just that lukewarmness or indifference is what hurts his heart the most. So David, when we wake up, you know, early in the morning to be with him at mass to receive him, or when we go to adoration to, to visit with him or just hang out with him, we're consoling his heart. We're consoling the heart of the Savior, the heart of of, of the God who, who loves us so much. So, uh, so thank you for for that exhortation, that encouragement. Um, if you haven't tried a daily mass. That's when mass came to life. Even when I was going to mass every Sunday, um, even before I really knew why I was going, you know, I would just kind of go and a lot of distractions. But mass truly came alive when I when I went to daily mass. So if you've never tried a daily mass, just try one one a week. Just make that commitment for you know for the next few months. Just one extra mass a week in the beautiful silence of a daily mass, and just ask God to to just to to open up. The reality of what's happening there—that heaven is coming down to earth—and and we get to to participate in that that beautiful miracle. It's uh, it is a gift. It is a gift.
4: You know, Rob, when you mentioned about daily mass, I was just thinking about you know my my own journey to 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 coming to a a daily you know a daily mass um, participation. And I remember, um, back, I had an older sister who passed away when I was very young. And I remember she was sick for a while and my dad used to get up every morning and go to mass to pray for her. And, um, we used to do rosaries at night for her, but, um, I used to get up and go to mass with him when I was, you know, three, four, you know, and, uh, I just remember that as being a very peaceful time and something that we could do for her while she was sick, you know, before she passed away. And, um, and then I got out of the habit. I mean, I always went to weekly mass. I never really drifted too far away from that. And But uh, when I got to be, um, I guess I was in my late 20s, early 30s. No, late 20s. Um, very difficult time when I was teaching school. It was kind of had to make a decision whether I was going to stay teaching or I was going to go and you know get, get out and go into the business world. And, and um, I remember thinking, well, why don't you go to Mass? I mean, Jesus can help you with this. So I, I went once a week in addition, and I, I was teaching at a Catholic school, so it wasn't a big stretch. But uh, then I went twice, then I started going three times a week, and I, the summer came, and I just was able to go every day, and, and I've never looked back since then. And that was over th- almost 35 years ago. Praise God. But, That's uh, awesome. But it's ex- exactly right. I mean, it's just once you get into that, and I have to remind myself, you know, it's difficult sometimes. Um, it's almost more difficult when you feel like you're close to Christ because you need to grow closer every day and if you stay in the same place you don't realize you're really drifting away over time. So I've never had a big conversion experience. I've had a lot of little conversion experiences over my life and a lot of times you drift to the point where you look back and you say, "Sure, I'm going to mass every day, but am I really do I really understand this as the wedding feast of the lamb? Am I really engaged in this, you know, in this in a passionate loving way with with jesus in the eucharist you know and you have to kind of look at that but that's part of the experiences and i don't think you get to that uh unless you start to to give something of yourself to jesus in that daily participation so even if you're even if you're not participating daily now not engaged in the mass daily go once a week go twice a week you know if you can whenever you can work it in because i think that's exactly the way that jesus you give him that little crack and he just he comes in he comes in the door
2: and Christina, welcome back. It's been about a year it since has. you've been with us here it on has. Reflections from the Heart, and and in your last visit, or you know, the, the time when you were here last year, you and I were talking about uh, the culture project and stewardship, and and you know, we're on different missions, and how can we work together? And then with what God has called you to do, and what, what God has called your missionaries to do, cannot be done without the daily bread that Jesus wants to give us. So, can you mm-hmm. share a little bit about? Culture project. It's been a year sure. uh, that you've been serving, and and what what role uh, has the Eucharist played, and and what's been happening there?
3: Sure. Well, Rob, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I think without the Eucharist, nothing is possible. And I really see us all as on the same team with the same end goal, <laughs> just uh, going about it in in different ways. But the Eucharist is the the source, of the summit. It is the the fuel that keeps all of us going. the The Culture Project has a really lofty, grandiose vision—a goal, a goal of restoring our culture to right ordered relationships between man and woman, and man and God. And um, we really believe that through living a life of virtue, through the striving for sainthood, that's how we're going to change the world. And uh, we. Speak a lot about dignity, dignity of the human person, um, about sexual integrity, chastity, knowing who we are as male and female. But none of that would be possible without being rooted in Christ and without being rooted in in the Eucharist. And you know, I was thinking as I was r- reading this this uh, passage from Scripture that um, you know the the disciples or the apostles are saying to Jesus, you know, they're talking about their ancestors eating manna in the desert, and um, sometimes it's easier. To almost believe when something radical or crazy happens, you know that uh, bread falls down from heaven. <laughs> I mean, okay, wow, that's an act of God. But I think sometimes it's it's harder to see the Lord in the simple everyday, and in the Eucharist, our Lord comes to us. It's extraordinary. It's truly extraordinary. But in a way, it's simple and ordinary. And and the Lord looks just like a, a wafer, a host. It, it seems so simple, but really, this is the the greatest miracle. But anyway, sometimes it's harder to to believe and to see um, the truth of the the greatest miracle in everyday ordinary things. Um, But I think without being rooted in the true miracle in in the Eucharist, um, we'll we'll be fruitless. You know, the missionaries of the Culture Project all make a commitment to attend daily Mass, to receive the Eucharist daily, and also to make a daily Eucharistic Holy Hour. So every day, they spend an hour before the Blessed Sacrament outside of attending Mass. And I am convinced that the fruit of our mission comes from that. I'm convinced that the hearts and minds of the youth that we speak to are changed and transformed not because of any fabulous teaching we give or because of how articulate our missionaries are, but it's because they're rooted in Christ. They're rooted in the Eucharist. And I think when we make the Lord priority in our day, receiving the Eucharist a priority in our day, you kind of can't go wrong. Um, you can't have a truly bad day. If, if you get to Mass and receive Jesus in the Eucharist, no matter what else happens in your day, nothing else could be more important than that. So it's something we hold true to um, as as an organization, as a missionary, as a, a ministry, as a team. And um, sometimes we can get lazy and we can get complacent. We ha- can have a hard time seeing Jesus in this ordinary host. But that's the gift of, of community and community life. And we can gently and sometimes not so gently remind each <laughs> other that um, if we're skipping our holy hours, that's when we're going to lose peace. That's when we're going to have anxiety. So, And I know for myself... The moment I start slacking on my prayer life or skipping Mass or I'm so busy, uh, then I become overwhelmed and burdened and I don't know how to take a step forward. And that's a a sign to me that I'm trying to to drive, I'm trying to be in charge and not letting the Lord. So um, personally, um, I'm indebted to the gift that the Lord gives us in the Eucharist. I pray that He um, helps me more and more to really see and believe the great gift that I receive each day and that... The Culture Project continues to be a, a Eucharistic-focused ministry, because I think if we do that, then we can't go wrong.
1: Amen. Thank you so much for sharing.
3: Thanks for letting me share.
1: Awesome. And, and as you were sharing, you used the word miracle. And if you look in this gospel reading today, they're, they're asking the Lord, you know, what sign can you show us? So, you know, What can you do to make us believe? We want to we know that. And if we go to this, we call this the Bread of Life Discourse. It starts here in John and goes through chapter 53, which is really... Jesus telling us to eat his flesh and drink his blood, unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. And he tells us here, it says it really plain and simple, it says, um, do not work for food that perishes. Well, that would be normal bread, normal wine that would perish, but for the food that endures for eternal life. What food is that? And here it says, which the Son of Man will give you. And he goes on to say that he is the bread of life. And that takes us back to the the Last Supper with the upper room with the apostles where Jesus takes the bread, says the blessing and breaks it, and says the words, this is my body. Take and eat of it. Think of that. He doesn't say this is a symbol of it. This is a sign of it. He says, this is is. This chalice, this cup, this is the cup of my blood, not a sign, not a symbol. It is what it says. You know, and so as we continue to read this Bread of Life discourse, we come to understand, you know, Jesus continues here, so Jesus said to them, amen, amen, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Again, we're talking about this the Eucharist, the bread of life. There's an exchange that takes place. The priest offers up the bread and the wine, for the Holy Spirit to take it and replace it with the true bread, the spiritual bread, Jesus Christ present in that that host, body, blood, soul, and divinity. As he speaks here of Moses, Moses was given earthly bread, you know, to eat on the journey to the promised land. Well, that was prefiguring the Eucharist, which gives us that spiritual food that strengthens us for this journey. This is not our home. This is not our home, but it gives us spiritual food for the journey for us home to heaven. And it lasts how long? For eternal life. So for me, this whole Bread of Life discourse, it just fascinates me, fascinates me. And the more I come to understand, the more I want to understand more. I do not want to miss anything any opportunity to receive Jesus, but also to share the good news. Share the good news. This is truth. You know, one of the things the Lord has me doing, Jesus taught by asking questions, and I want to ask my brothers and sisters in Christ that don't have this understanding, show me in the Bible where Jesus's words, where he corrects them and says, oh, no, guys, I'm only speaking symbolically. Oh, hey, hello? This is only a sign I'm not really referring to it as my real... No, what happens in that story in in verse 53 and on? He lets the Jews, they say, we're out of here. You can't drink and eat his flesh and blood. The disciples who followed him around, they left. And finally, he turns to Peter, my man, and says, yo, what are you going to do? And listen to Peter's words. He says, you know, where are we to go? You have the words of eternal life. What words did Jesus just speak? You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. My flesh is true, true food. My blood is true drink. And I love the part where he says, and I love the sentence. This is the one that changed my life when I had my conversion event and came back to the Catholic Church and opened up to it as a cradle Catholic 11 years ago, is he said, the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. Well, he truly gave his flesh. It wasn't a a, a a fake. He gave it fully, completely. He died on the cross for each and every one of us. So he gave us his flesh. Well, he just told us that flesh, that same flesh, is the bread. Isn't that amazing? There's so many, so many people walking around, they don't know it. We need to help them wake up to this beautiful truth. For over 1,500 years in Christendom, Catholic Christendom, all Christendom, there was no question, no argument, but something happened almost 500 years ago, and people decided they could decide whether it's a sign, a symbol, or this or that, and it's so sad they've gotten so far away from this beautiful, beautiful gift where Jesus, the bridegroom, intimately comes to each and every one of us and helps us on our journey. So may God open our hearts, our minds to this amazing truth, and may we share this truth with love, humility, and courage with our brothers and sisters, you know, and go to the Bible. Ask them to help you understand where Jesus changed his words, because he didn't. And maybe that'll help them understand this beautiful truth and encourage them. Go back to the beginning. Go back to all the church fathers, 100 A.D., all of them. Go back to the Didache. Read it. They all believed in the real present. There was no question. And I think too. You, I mean, all of that
4: research is valid and valuable. The thing that I've come to appreciate over the years of you know being being in the presence of Jesus is that it. If you come to understand how deeply Jesus cares, how much His heart is for us, it almost it, it almost requires that the Eucharist be what He what we believe it is. Because how else would He he leave himself to us mm-hmm. and be present everywhere at all times in the world and every every time I receive the Eucharist and I have the host in my mouth, I think what an intimate act that is because it becomes part of me physically but it also becomes part of me spiritually and what a what a beautiful way you know and and we go back in the scriptures and we see that unity you know Scott Hahn has done an incredible job of connecting the Last Supper and the passover meal the paschal sacrifice with the crucifixion and the fourth cup being being consumed at the last you know at the last breath of our lord and we look at that and we say you know and it's so poignant because he says the last supper the night before thursday holy thursday is what transformed the crucifixion from just a roman execution into a sacrifice into a paschal sacrifice and when we think about what it is that we're doing and we think about the love that Jesus showed on the cross, it almost requires us to believe that what he said in the Eucharist, that he would be with us and that would be, become part of us. And every day when we consume that, it's almost like if you really deeply believe in the Lord, how can you not believe in a real presence? You know, that's just kind of the way it hits me as a, you know, as a practicing Catholic. So. Uh, and
1: in scriptures, Jesus is called our Paschal Lamb paschal mm-hmm. it, yeah. there's the connector point point. and what did they do what did the jews do to the paschal lamb they ate it right. every piece of it all of it was part of the was part of the
4: ceremony correct if you didn't believe, eat the lamb yeah. you, d- you didn't complete the sacrifice e, correct correct right
3: i think it, it all makes so much sense when you look at the historical context and the cultural context and early church fathers but david when you're speaking earlier just about when you go further in In John six, I just think to me, that's that's it. I remember first discovering that in college, like really Mm -hmm. internalizing. And when people were leaving, like crowds were leaving when Jesus was preaching this and saying that he was the (laughs) bread. I mean, why would our Lord let them leave if they were misunderstanding? To me, I just I think that's so clear. Um, Obviously, he meant what he said. Because if not, he would have said, whoa, 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 come on back. I, I don't really mean that. I'm not a cannibal. This is crazy. You know, he would have corrected. But I think, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that we it's need to go like, further.
4: It's almost like he knew exactly what he was doing.
3: He did. And, yeah, and imagine he, and he that. He let it stand. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. To me, that has just struck me so profoundly that if our Lord himself let followers go, leave him, leave his side, it must have been, he must have been really serious. And it must have been that important of a point. So I, that that just always sticks with me.
1: And prefigured at the wedding feast at Cana, he changed water into wine, and what, people are like, "Wow, that's a real miracle." Yeah. And he said, "You ain't seen nothing yeah. yet." <laughs> you know, so it's a beautiful thing. But you know, we need to have humility and love and respect for our brothers and sisters because continue on reading in John chapter six, because after Peter says what he says, where are we to go? You have the words to eternal life. Jesus says something that's very important for all of us to understand. It was not you that recognized this. It was God the Father who revealed it to you. So our separated brothers and sisters love them where they're at, respect what they understand in their communion. They do consume the bread of life in sacred scriptures, okay? They do consume the Word of God you know they consume it into them and that's why they're on this journey with us every the catholic teaching every baptized christian that is baptized father son and holy spirit is a member of the same body of christ they do feed when they break open the bread of life in the in the sacred scriptures they do feed on that but just like on the road to Emmaus there were two parts there's the burning of the heart, which is the breaking open of the scriptures, but then there's the consuming of the bread where Jesus was made known and present to them, and then he was gone. That's the Eucharist. That's why the Mass is what it is, two pieces to it, the the liturgy of the Word, and then the Eucharist, two pieces to the Mass. That's the road to a Mass. That's in the Bible. Is it amazing that every Catholic teaching finds its deep roots in truth, in the Bible, in sacred scriptures. Man, I'll tell you, go on the journey and learn it, and then share it with your friends. God bless everyone. Bye-bye.
0: Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a Mission of Faith is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, A Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.